We're officially almost to the start of training camp for the Seahawks. What are the betters out there thinking about their chances heading into the 2022 season? Tyler Fournette and I are going to be diving in on betonline.net's numbers heading into the season on a special edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for the first ever Wager Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. My co host, Tyler Fornes. Tyler, welcome to the show. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and now with all the props and all the different bets being out there available to us, it's really starting to feel like football season is almost here. It really is starting to feel like football season, Corbin, and I appreciate you having me on. This is going to be a really fun show because we're going to talk about the biggest growing aspect of sports right now, and that is the betting markets. Uh, we have It's increasingly growing year by year as far as where it's legally available uh, throughout the nation, and it is becoming more and more integrated within national media and local coverage as well, just like your own show. And there are a lot of different elements to look for, and it provides a little bit of extra fun for the consumer and the viewer especially when your team might not be projected to do as well, you can still have a lot of fun in a similar vein like fantasy football. Yeah, we're going to break down all the basics of betting on the Seahawks and the NFL at the beginning of the show. We're going to look at some team bets that are out there, also some individual props, including offensive and defensive rookie of the year, coach of the year, and much more. Really looking forward to this. This is the first time we've done this on Lock on Seahawks. We're going to be doing this once a week throughout the season, looking at props, individual bets for upcoming Seahawks games, whether you're looking at the team or players. So really excited to get this started and add this to our Locked on Seahawks coverage. This special edition episode is brought to you by the people at Built Bar. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness but stop drooling and listen they're good for you low calorie low sugar high protein and all delicious thank god because i probably eat too many of them coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time go to build.com right now to make sure you don't miss out they're going fast because they taste amazing delicious coconut rich sweet brownie creamy marshmallow stop fantasizing get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your order again that's the promo code lock 15 at built.com to get 15 percent off your order all right now for our first ever wager wednesday here on locked on seahawks before we get started with looking at some of the team bets out there from our friends at betonline.net Tyler, I'm going to dish it over to you. Just the basics for our listeners that don't understand how sports betting works. We're going to be looking at over and under bets in this particular episode. So how does this work? So easy. You They're going to have a line set, and let's say uh, it's going to be like a win total, and the win total is 7.5, okay? the One of the reasons why you have that half in there is to make sure there are no pushes. You're either going to win or you lose. Sometimes it, there's going to be too much action on one side. They'll move it up or down. So then you, the house can push. 
making it a little bit easier, especially when they're not nearly as certain about uh, the direction of how the bet's going to play. And it's going to be either plus or minus a three-digit number or even a four-digit number if it's that extreme. So if it's minus 200, that means you have to bet $200 to win $100. So a $200 bet nets you $300 total dollars back from the house. If it's plus 400, if you bet $100, you win 400. So a $100 bet will give you $500 back from the house. It's honestly as simple as that, but I had to train my brain in order to kind of really fully understand that initially because it is a little bit of a confusing system. It's not like when you go to the horse track and you watch like the Kentucky Derby, it's listed as two to one, three to one, 50 to one. So then you know what your return is. You have to do that mental math in your head, but it really is simple. Yeah, it is really simple. And I'm going to admit, I don't, I've never really done much with sports betting. So one of the reasons I was so excited to add this to our Locked on Seahawks podcast is just to learn more about it because this is becoming mainstream. There's obviously still some states out there that don't allow it, but it's going to eventually be all 50 states. It is coming and sports betting Mm -hmm. is growing exponentially year after year. So without further ado, Tyler, let's get to our team bet props here. And the first one that we've got, Wager Wednesday the Seahawks projection for their NFC West finish. And as you can see, Tyler, this is not surprising after trading Russell Wilson and releasing Bobby Wagner, but the sports books out there are not necessarily high on the Seahawks chances of finishing anything but dead last in one of the best divisions in football. No, hundred percent. And quite frankly, I am going to be projecting them to finish dead last, but I will add this caveat plus three forty to finish third in the division when you, we could easily see a team like the Arizona Cardinals just a- absolutely crap the bed. Kyler Murray is a tremendous talent. He hasn't been able to string anything together with any form of consistency. Could Kingsbury has a history of starting hot and finishing ice cold like the Arctic. And we saw that playoff loss against the uh, Los Angeles Rams last year. They did not show up. They did not improve the offensive line to help Kyler Murray. That You have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be out for six weeks. The defensive line lost Chandler Jones. There are a lot of holes on this team. And when there are a lot of holes, if one or two key guys go down, that team could sink right away and they might not be willing to play through Cliff Kingsbury. Plus 340 is a really nice value bet if you want to throw five, 10 bucks and see if you can make a quick buck. But at minus 200, I don't think it's necessarily worth a play because you're going to have to bet too much money in order to win anything substantial. Yeah, and again, that tells you what the sports books think about the Seahawks' chances. They, I'm going to say this too: Trey Lance has yet to prove he's an NFL quarterback. He's got a ton of talent. The 49ers have a loaded roster. They made the NFC Championship game last year, but that was with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. I still am a little bit skeptical on that front. I think Lance going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL, but that's a team that if he doesn't play well right away it could end up leading to a lot of losses that they wouldn't have with a little better quarterback play. So I think Arizona and San Francisco are both going to be good teams, but there's a chance if the dominoes fall right that they could end up being worse than expected. And if Seattle's better than expected, they could be a third-place team. So I would agree with you on that one. Now, let's just look at the over-under wins right now. And again, this tells you where the sports books view the Seahawks right now. Five and a half being the setting point for wins Five and a half wins in the NFL, especially with an extra game out of the schedule. That's not very many wins, Tyler. No, it's not. But the one thing that Seattle has going for it is they're playing a last place schedule. 
Now, when you have the schedule algorithm built by the National Football League, that only equates to three games. But if the Seahawks can win those three games, and then let's say they win two division games and then another random one, it's you can see an easy path to get to six. I think minus 135 is a really nice play there. Five and a half is a very low number. And there is still a lot of talent on the outside for this team. Drew Locke may be a volatile passer, but he has a really good arm. And when he is on stringing uh, decisions together, he can play really good football. You saw him do that against poor defenses in the SEC with Missouri. You saw him do that with Denver. If he's facing a poor defense, he can string stuff together with DK Metcalf, Freddie Swain, Tyler Lockett, a decent running game. I think over five and a half is what you want to play here. Yeah, I think that the general consensus out there is that this is a team that can win anywhere from six to eight, maybe even nine games. It really depends how good the defense plays and what happens under center. Geno Smith could be the guy, too, and he doesn't have the ceiling maybe that Drew Locke does, but he played turnover-free football for the most part last year in three starts. So uh, it feels like five and a half. And again, I'm not a betting expert. I've actually never bet on a sporting event in my life, but... You know, five and a half wins, that mark there, I actually think that looks like that might be a pretty darn good play if you are somebody that wants to roll the dice a little bit. Now, this next one here, chances of the Seahawks making the playoffs. Again, given the odds for finishing in last place, not surprising here that no gets minus 600 and yes plus 400. I think this is a little different discussion point than when you're looking at five and a half wins, though, because getting six wins is not going to get you anywhere close to sniffing the playoffs. It's not going to get you anywhere close. And that's kind of the tough part here. There are some bets you just don't want to play at all. And this is going to be one of them. No minus 600. You're not, you're going to have to bet hundreds of dollars in order to make anything substantial like 600 to win hundred. That's, that's not worth it to me. And at plus 400, I really don't see a, a plausible logical path outside of, Hey, Drew Locke finally puts everything together and becomes his 100th percentile self in a new offense, in a new city with a new team. I I feel like this is one you need to stay away from unless you're comfortable losing a bunch of money or you just have a bankroll of 10,000 bucks and you're like, I'm comfortable making 1600 or, and then if they somehow make the playoffs, you're okay losing 10 grand. Like I'd stay away. Yeah, I think this is one of those, unless you're sitting on some money that you're willing to throw out there against the slim odds that this team does make the playoffs. I I just think you don't bet against Pete Carroll in that regard, just because of his track record. So I'm with you. I think this is one you just stay away from. Now, next up here, Seahawks not only making the playoffs, but winning the NFC Championship. If you're somebody that really likes to roll the dice, it's plus 5,000, Tyler. So 100 bucks if the Seahawks somehow won the NFC title game with Geno Smith or Drew Locke under center, you'd get an extra five grand. I know it sounds beautiful, but there's a reason that number is that high. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's worth a play at plus 5,000. Like if you go back to the 2010 college football season, Auburn had really long odds. The world didn't know what they were going to get from Cam Newton. Sure, he dominated at Blinn Junior College, but was he going to be able to take that to the SEC? He obviously did, and they won a national championship. That kind of play, when you have, then you just believe, hey, I think this transfer is going to make that big of an impact. I'm going to put some money down. I think that's worth it. Here, I you're going to be throwing your money away. Uh, Vegas is right more often than not. That's why they're still doing this. And I, 
if you're not even going to think the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs, you can't bet this. It's it's you're literally just throwing your money down the drain. A one dollar bet will net you fifty bucks. Would it be cool? Yeah, but look, there are a lot smarter ways that we're going to be talking about later where you can make real money by betting small amounts. Yeah, this one does not seem like one that would be smart. Even like I said, you don't bet against Pete Carroll. Playoffs is one thing. Getting to the NFC Championship game and winning it, that's another. And if they do that, of course, that means they get to the Super Bowl, which leads us to even more insurmountable odds here. Seahawks winning the Super Bowl. DK Metcalf and company coming in right now at plus 8,000. I guess if you really think they have a chance to get out of the NFC then this would be a smart play, but I really don't know anyone out there that's believing that the Seahawks team has that kind of a ceiling. Yeah, I maybe in a couple years, if Pete Carroll really uh, decides he wants to stay committed and doesn't decide, you know what, I'm 69 years old, I just, I want to be done and I want to go enjoy my life on the beach. If he stays committed to this thing, I could see a path where, especially with the draft capital they have for next year, and how much they invested in the team this year with the NFL draft, you could see a path forward, and you could see a path where they can really keep building, but now's not the year. No, this team may be able to get to eight or nine wins, maybe sneak into the playoffs if everything goes right, but that is the ceiling for this football team at Mm -hmm. this point. Now, just for fun, real quick, if they do get to the Super Bowl, this is maybe my favorite prop that I saw from Bet Online. Just because, you know, everybody likes to think about their team making the Super Bowl. Who are the teams the Seahawks would most likely be pitted against? And these four teams are all teams that actually have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. The most likely opponent, according to Bet Online, the Buffalo Bills plus 25,000. The Chiefs coming in at second tied with the Chargers, both getting 35,000 plus. And then the Broncos, I mean, you want to see Seattle explode. Russell Wilson going up against his former team in the Super Bowl, plus 50,000. Again, we don't expect the Seahawks to get to that point. But I will say this, though, that Broncos matchup, boy, would that be spicy seeing Russ Mm -hmm. in the big game. Going to be seeing him in week one. But also the Buffalo Bills, just Josh Allen against if Drew Locke ended up making things work and found his potential. Those two quarterbacks, both gunslingers going up against each other. There'd actually be some really intriguing matchups if those two teams played. There'd be awesome matchups with those two teams. I am betting on the Bills myself to win the AFC and make the Super Bowl um, with that that acquisition of Von Miller and how much they were able to keep in-house, the addition of uh, Traverius White uh, coming back uh, after that torn ACL. I really think that the Bills are going to be that team. If you decide, you know what, I'm going to throw a dollar on a two-team parlay of the Seahawks making the Super Bowl, and then the bills being that opponent you could make a lot of money but i i still wouldn't do it because it's throwing it away yeah i don't see any reason why you would pick one of these matchups here just because i think you would want to get two teams to have a realistic chance to get to the big game probably not as much of a financial windfall doing that but it's Mm -hmm. a much safer bet when we return for the second segment of our special edition wager wednesday here on locked on seahawks we're going to be moving from team related props to individual coaches and player props some really fun ones like rookie of the year and coach of the year that we're going to be looking at here in a moment betonline.net is your number one source 
source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, special Wager Wednesday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me as co-host today, Tyler Fornes. We just looked at some team props heading into the 2022 season. Now I'm going to shift gears, Tyler, looking at some coach and player-related props. We've talked about Pete Carroll quite a bit when we were looking at the team props, and so I think it's fitting that we start here with our Coach of the Year props. And I actually found this somewhat surprising, and yet I didn't, and I'll explain that here in a moment. But looking at our wagers here, Brian Dable coming in at first at plus 500, Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, plus 600, Brandon Staley of the Chargers, plus 900, Dan Campbell, plus 1,400. Pete Carroll is way down in the list at number 30 at plus 6,000. Now, you and I were talking about this before the show. You know, I'm not a betting man, but I'm looking at that number and I'm thinking, you know, if Pete Carroll ends up making this team respectable, that by itself would make it well worth him earning this award for the first time. But I think you and I would both agree this award typically goes to coaches that get their teams not just to the playoffs, but deep into the playoffs. And it's hard to see the Seahawks doing that, even if they reach their potential. I'll say this as well with coach of the year and why I wouldn't take Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is an established coach that has made multiple Super Bowls and has a title under his belt. Because of that, it's really hard to really take that next step. Otherwise, Bill Belichick would get coach of the year nearly every year because it's Bill Belichick and his track record. But because he has those high expectations and a history of performing very well, it becomes increasingly harder to win coach of the year. And it's one of the reasons why we've seen so many times over the past few years Matt Nagy in 2018, Kevin Stefanski 2020 as well. And there are multiple other examples of first or second year head coaches taking a massive leap with their new team and showing that they are a quality head coach. That's why I take a look at Dan Campbell plus 1400. Dan Campbell is the guy that I would bet on because he had that team playing extremely hard, had them in games they shouldn't have any business even being competitive in. And they beat teams like the Minnesota Vikings. They should have beat them twice, but they got them once. That, And you have that kind of effort. Now you start adding talent to that effort. And you have a good coaching staff who has a culture built in. The Lions win eight or nine games this year. It's going to Dan Campbell on a landslide because he's going to massively outperform expectations and do something that you weren't necessarily expecting because you just don't know how good of a head coach he is yet because he's only had one full season as the guy. And with Pete Carroll, he just has too big of a track record, having been a coach uh, at USC winning national titles. He was a head coach for the New England Patriots right before Bill Belichick took that job. And now with the Seahawks, there's too much known about him, and it becomes just inherently more difficult to be able to take that next step. Yeah, and I'll give a caveat to that experience thing. If Doug Peterson comes into Jacksonville and the Jaguars win eight or nine games and Trevor Lawrence makes a big jump, 
I don't think anybody's going to care that he was a Super Bowl winning coach at one point with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. That has been a floundering franchise aside from 2017 randomly getting to the FC Championship game. They they yeah. get more number one picks than any team in the NFL. If he's mm -hmm. able to do that, that would be one exception to the rule. But Pete Carroll's got too much talent, I think, on this team with the Seahawks and with his reputation. I would agree with you. Now, shifting to the rookies, rookie of the year on offense – this has been kind of a trendy one for the Seahawks. If you've been reading articles out there, Ken Walker, the third second round pick out of Michigan state, Doak Walker award winner over 1600 rushing yards, 18 touchdowns last year. He right now is eighth on bet online's listing here at plus 1400. You've got Kenny Pickett quarterback for the Steelers first at plus 650. Then Brees Hall, the running back for the jets plus 900 Chris Olave for the Saints, plus 900. Then another receiver, Sky Moore for the Chiefs, at plus 900. James Cook, the running back for the Bills, plus 900. And Traylon Burks, receiver for the Titans, at plus 1,000. This would actually be one that I think would be somewhat safe. The issue here, though, is if Rashad Penny is healthy, I know Ken Walker III is still going to get his carries. They're not going to be giving Penny 30 carries a game. But mm -hmm. if Penny stays healthy, he is your running back number one. I, I just don't know that it's worth the money with that consideration unless you're thinking about the durability history for Penny, which then you might be willing to pay up to get that plus 1400 And it's so tough with running backs because you really don't know what their volume is going to be. And it's just one weird helmet to a knee away from a season-ending injury. That, that position itself is so volatile. Walker is a decent play because we have a history of Rashad Penny injuries. And even though that they're going to want to feed him the ball – We've seen time and time again with the Seahawks, they will rotate backs, uh, whether it be injury, uh, performance, like all those fumbles from Chris Carson over the last few years. They, even though he was being really successful running football, they kept bringing other guys in because he couldn't hold on to it. I really like Chris Olave in this spot, plus 900. I think he's Justin Jefferson light. The way he explodes, the way he runs, runs routes, and the way he's able to create separation just effortlessly. Plus, he's got the deep speed to be a burner. I think that he's going to be able to have that kind of rookie season where it's like, whoa, this guy is something. And plus, the only quarterback that you could really talk about is Kenny Pickett. And Pickett may not start the first six, eight weeks. And he has no potential upside either. This is a very wide open rookie of the year race. Walker's worth a thought because of how Seattle loves to run the football and Penny's injury history. I would put money on Olave here. Yeah, I think Olave was one that jumped out to me. As long as Jameis Winston stays healthy and plays well, there are some mm -hmm. quarterbacking concerns there, but he is a fantastic talent. Where I think the Seahawks actually have a really good chance to maybe have a player in the mix. Walker could be, depending on that rotation shakes out. But on defense, as I grow to learn more about how betting functions here, I've been at minicamp and I have been at OTAs, and that's not real football, but at the same time, you can just get the sense that Boye Mafe is a player that the Seahawks are extremely excited about. Pete Carroll did not like to compare him to Cliff Averill, one of the most underrated players from their Super Bowl squads in 2013 and 2014. Incredibly freakish athlete who was just starting to come into his own, had a great senior bowl week. He is plus 5,000 on this defensive rookie of the year poll. And I think that that actually looks pretty darn appealing when you consider, yeah, there are players like Aiden Hutchinson at plus 450, Kayvon Thibodeau plus 700 with the Giants, George Karloftis with the Chiefs plus 1,000. There are other edge rushers on here that may be safer plays. And yet at the same time, Tyler, 
This was one of the worst pass rushing teams in the NFL last year, the Seahawks. They're going to be running a 3-4 defense now that really caters well to Boye Mafe's skill set. This might be the one we've looked at so far that I actually would have the most interest if I was going to make a bet because I think Boye Mafe has a chance to be an impact player right away in this scheme for Seattle. The biggest thing with the defensive rookie of the year is you need stats. You need tangible numbers on a sheet of paper. Anybody can dominate the game on the back end. But the reason why it's so incredibly difficult for safeties and cornerbacks to win this award, they don't get those tangible stats. And we're not talking deep analytics. We're not talking PFF grades. We're talking tackles, force fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, sacks. We're talking those kind of baseline stats that you'd read in a Sunday newspaper box score. And that is something that Boye Mafe can do because he can get to the quarterback. Uh, even though he wasn't fully unleashed in Minnesota, he's got a Daniil Hunter-like athletic profile. He's got a motor that doesn't quit. And he's able to win in multiple facets. And with a little bit more coaching, an eight or nine sack season, which it is a definitely a high bar, but it's not an insane number, especially considering, Corbin, you mentioned the lack of a pass rush last year. They're going to look for some juice in order to maximize that. Boye Mafe, third down pass rusher. You could see that number start creeping up there. And if it creeps up there, that's a really solid play at plus 5,000. Yeah, I think putting 100 down and potentially getting 5K out of it, that might be one if you've got $100 to bet that I would strongly consider. Because again, this is just from my observations and we got to see what training camp looks like. But this kid looks like he's going to get a chance to play a lot of snaps early. And if he does with his athleticism and really figures it out, and this defense has a chance to put up some really good numbers right away. Now, next up here, comeback player of the year. The Seahawks actually have two players on this list for different reasons. Drew Locke at plus 2,800 was benched in favor of Teddy Bridgewater in Denver last year. So this would be a comeback from the sideline, not from injuries. Chris Carson at plus 3,300 is coming off of neck surgery. And we, at this time, do not know whether he is going to be able to play this season, really play football again or not, that is yet to be revealed. At this point, he had not been cleared. We'll find out when they report for camp what his status is. Jameis Winston at plus 400. Derrick Henry plus 700. Michael Thomas, who hasn't played, feels like, for like two years, at plus 800. Christian McCaffrey's had some injuries, plus 1,100. J.K. Dobbins, running back for the Ravens, coming off an ACL tear at plus 1,200. Honestly, Tyler, this feels like one where one of those guys coming back from injuries that's high up on this list would have the best chance to win this. I don't see – I mean, if Drew Locke goes out and throws 30 touchdowns, then maybe somebody might consider him for this. But it, that would seem to me more like a most improved type ordeal. If Chris Carson returns and runs for 1,000 yards unexpectedly, then coming off a neck injury, maybe he's a contender. But I don't think either one of these would be safe plays. I don't think it'd be safe plays either. The really tough part with the comeback player of the year award is you need to be, as you said, Corbin, coming back from injury, or you need to be a complete reclamation project. The issue with Drew Locke being a reclamation project is he never really was claimed at all. He never got to a point where he all of a sudden just sunk down and then is rising back up. Like Drew Bledsoe goes from being benched by Tom Brady and then the next year with the Bills uh, goes and just absolutely annihilates the Patriots. I believe they shut them out. Like that's the kind of reclamation project where you see that peak and valley. Like, I just don't think you can see that with drew lock. Um, and then like Chris Carson, it's too risky because you have no clear path right now to him ever playing football again until a doctor says, yep, you're good. Then 
that is when I consider it. But then you're also going to see your odds shrink a decent amount because there is that unknown factor with Carson. Um, I play Michael Thomas because he was the top five receiver. Then he had two injury riddled years. And if he comes back and plays at a modicum of what he used to, that feels like an easy win. Yeah, he would be my favorite in this one. I think if Jameis Winston came back, this is a Saint-centric show today. If Winston comes back healthy for an ACL and plays well with the receivers he's got, then he would be another prime candidate, hence why he's at the top of the list there. With Carson, even if he comes back healthy, you mentioned the the number's going to drop just by default there, but also where are the carries going to be for him with Rashad Penny, Ken Walker, Mm -hmm. the third, the other running backs they have. And so, again, I don't see either one of those being safe plays. To wrap it up here, we don't have anybody on offensive MVP or offensive player of the year. Not a surprise. I guess maybe DK Metcalf could have been on there, but the Seahawks do have a player on the defensive MVP listing here. He's way down near the bottom. Jamal Adams at plus 8,000 coming off of a torn labrum surgery. Missed the last five games last year. Didn't have any sacks last season. Did pick off a couple of passes, but he is a major wild card to say the least in this. Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons leading the way at plus 700. TJ Watt plus 750. Aaron Donald, I don't know why he would be anything but first any year, as amazing as he is, but he's plus 800. And the Bose is coming in at plus 800 and plus 1800. So there's a huge gap between the top five guys. And number six, Jamal Adams way down near the bottom at plus 8,000. I guess realistically, Tyler, if you are a believer that Jamal Adams just needs the right coaching staff to really bring out his maximum potential. I mean, if this guy can go out and get six or seven sacks and he picks off three or four passes and just becomes a game wrecker, like I think we believe he can be, then certainly a safety like that that has those unique talents could be in the running for this award. But it's been a couple of years since we've really seen him put everything together. And this is that would just be a big what if as far as reaching at plus 8,000. I agree completely. And this goes back to that defensive rookie of the year conversation we had, Corbin. You need tangible stats. And the fact that Jamal Adams is a really good pass rusher and he's able to get pressures and sacks and he he has the range to be able to roam all over the field and get tackles. If he gets like, let's say, a six-interception season, there could be something there. And especially if this defense overperforms expectations – because Adams is going to get a lot of that credit then. But a lot of things have to go right, which is why he is at that plus 8,000 mark. It's really hard to bet against Aaron Donald because it's Aaron Donald. Um, but like the defensive player of the year is always a, a really difficult one. But Micah Parsons and what he was able to do last year and with how much that they ended up getting rid of on that defense for the Dallas Cowboys. If Parsons is able to duplicate it, that I feel like he's going to be the front runner. Yeah, I think Parsons has a great chance. I think Miles Garrett every year has an opportunity to win this award with his upside. And Aaron Donald's going to be right in the mix too, as dominant as he continues to be. But I actually think that this would be one, if you truly believe in Clint Hurt and Sean Desai, and you think that this can be the coaching staff that really figures out how to best utilize Jamal Adams, he does have the talent to get several interceptions. He had two in a three-game span last year before he got hurt. And they started to figure out how to use him in coverage. If they continue that and they're more creative deploying as a pass rusher so that he can get to the quarterback and he racks up some sacks, again, he can get those stats. If the team is more Mm -hmm. competitive than expected, 
then Jamal Adams might not be a horrible play there. I'm not telling you to make this bet, but certainly the talent is there if they're able to utilize his unique skill set mm-hmm. better than what they have the last couple of years. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Tyler at the Real Forno. Again, that's at the Real Forno. It's on our screen for our YouTube listeners. You can check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Thursday episode, I'll be joined by my co-host Nick Lee. The two of us will continue our training camp preview, checking out receivers and cornerbacks. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!